This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wiccan Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Dan Clark, joined as usual by Adam Cooper and Damien Farrar-Hockley. Michael unfortunately can't be with us this week. We think it's probably down to the fact that we've actually won a game for the first time in 13 games, but we hope he gets well soon nonetheless. Guys, a bit of a change around from last last time since last we spoke. It... Uh, I mean, obviously, if we, we recorded this in between Orient and Rovers, we might be having a bit of a different conversation. But we've got a win. We've got a draw. We're now one defeat in five. It's Is it starting to look up? Things starting to change, do we think? Certainly more positive, isn't it? I mean, I think anybody in their right mind who had been offered four points out of those two games before the break would have absolutely snapped your hand off for it. So... Um, yeah, very, very positive. And yeah, I think I said to a few people on uh, on Friday night, and I, Damien thought the same, we went together. Um, but really, Friday night was, was probably in many ways what we needed. We just needed a real battling, digging performance with a clean sheet. No matter how ugly it was, it was frustrating because they weren't that good. And yeah, we didn't have any shots on goal. We didn't create a lot. Um, but I think that very much built the foundations for... Uh, for New Year's Day, um, there was a bit of a bit of stupidity at the end from um, a small minority, but quite a vocal minority, I would say, um, who had obviously had too much to drink and, uh, and thought it was a good idea to to vent their spleen at some of the players and the manager. And look, people are people are absolutely. We've said this before. People are absolutely within their rights to to air their views, but but booing players and shouting at players and shouting at the manager doesn't actually achieve anything. And yeah, Blooms actually came out on New Year's, uh, on New Year's Day, didn't he? And, t- and said why Sam Vokes hadn't started. And to me, it was quite obvious that that a player of his age was never going to play in all four games um, over the, over the break, um, particularly off the back of a hamstring injury. So I think a lot of that behavior was, was a little bit unnecessary, but New Year's Day felt a lot more positive positive. And um, and just a, a very, very quick note, 
uh, tongue-in-cheek, the fireworks were absolutely amazing, weren't they? Um, well, well, well worth the wait. It was um, worth watching. Yeah, yeah, it was we well, were happy well to see him for once wait. as well. We were happy to see him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well worth the wait. I think a lot of people had uh, had given the owner quite a lot of unfair stick. The owner who's um, who's you know got us out of the shit more than once, um, invested well in the squad, and and you know at least tried to do something different. He was getting a bit of stick, and I think unfairly. So um, so I'm pleased that we got the win. I'm pleased the fireworks went down well, or went up well, whichever way you want to look at it. And um, and yeah, we're in a we're in a positive place. Friday night was I don't want to say a kick up the arse, but it was just something that the team needed. Um, it would have been nice if at the end they got sort of applauded for getting a draw. I mean, I would say ninety percent of the crowd went there expecting us to lose that game. Uh, it was uh, I can't I'm not going to deny it. I was one of them, um, but. It was, as Adam said, a battling performance. It was, you know, the passion was there. It's just that final part we couldn't do. We just couldn't put the ball in the net. Um, and they actually, for me, made defensive changes towards the end to save their point. So it showed, you know, we were going in the right direction. And then you go to Monday, which was just, it was a roller coaster of a game. First half, we played really well. We deserved to be up. Um, and I don't know what it was. It, the sending off, which, by the way, was definitely a sending off. Uh, having seen it again, um, I didn't agree with it at the time, but um, that's just uh, one view. Um, it seemed to galvanise them. They seemed to just think, right, we're going to go for this now. Um, I don't know whether it was down to his formation uh, that he put in, but it, it, everything clicked. Um, I, I know myself and Adam uh, have spoken about in the past us trying to put square pegs in round holes. It just seemed that you found all the round pegs. We said, didn't we? Went into the right place. Of ten. Yeah, yeah. It, it all worked. Yeah, um, it all uh, and then, so when we were 3 0 up, we thought, you know, we were in dreamland basically, especially with 10 men. Um, I'm not surprised that we conceded. I was a little bit worried towards the end when we conceded too. I thought we might get they might get one in that sort of the inevitable onslaught and the looked like the referee was determined to play for as long as it took for them to equalise. Um but yeah, when that shot hit the post at the end and he blew the whistle, <laughs> the feeling was just I wanna I don't wanna go as high as euphoric, but it was it was, you know, the the release of energy. Um, it was just, it was marvellous. But yeah, Mon- Monday was so far attached from what we've been doing in the last 12, 13 games. And it was just, if we can keep playing like that, there'll be no issues. It was odd though, wasn't it? Because usually, I mean, in the past weeks, and Orient, obviously I'll go back to Orient in a bit, but Orient was a carbon copy of where we've been for this this run of form. No shots on target, didn't really like, we'd score all night and... you know it was basically if you copy and pasted Cambridge Burton and a few other games that's exactly how it was Uh, it's just odd with Bristol Rovers something seemed to click and obviously we went one little up deservedly which is great at this point of the sending off I was thinking oh do you know what here we go again we're going to scrap here you know hopefully get a draw out of this now considering Uh, but 
something just seemed to change and something seemed to work. And I don't know whether that's because the formation was set up right and the tweaks that they made at the point of the sending off shored everything up. Even Rovers fell apart. For us to get those two goals in quick succession, it it kind of it's it's definitely that fight and that passion that we've been missing for the last few games. And not to say that the, the effort's not been there from them because, you know, I, I do get it's hard to build up that confidence. But I don't know, it just we didn't do it in the normal kind of way where you kind of scrape a one gritty one nil win and then that kind of builds your form. It was it was near on emphatic. To be honest, if it weren't for those two goals at the end, that would have been an emphatic victory considering the circumstances. They flattered just, Rovers, those two goals, just to say. They say did, didn't they? They flattered Rovers to get those two goals. 3-2 three, two, three, two is a flattering game. score. Uh, we and their manager said, didn't he? Their manager said they were poor. Yeah. Um, he thought that we were the better side. He was very complimentary of the way that we played. And look, that's how Bloomfield wants to play. He's always said he wants to play with integrity, wants to, um, with intensity, sorry. He wants to press. And I thought our press was really good. We sat um, up in the Frank Adams, which is is very rare for us, but we sat up with, with Damo and his brother. And, um, and obviously, it just gives you that different view. And they were really, there was really obviously a plan for the press. Um, there were sort of four or five players going at a time. Um, if Rovers had the ball down down their left, then it was the players on the right-hand side who were pressing. If they had it down the other side, it was the players on the left. If they had it down the middle, there was a clear and obvious plan to to press from the back forwards. Um, I thought look, you, you could go through every single player and say they did something well. Um either end of the pitch. Obviously, Striek made some some fantastic saves. Um, yeah. But Taff, I thought, was absolutely outstanding. Um, probably the unsung hero. Everybody said how good Potts was, and rightly so. He was brilliant. Um, Taff and Lowe um, seems to work, doesn't it? Yeah, and Vokes had, had his best game for a long, long time. Um, but I just think with those two in, you know, Freddie Potts probably weren't planning to give him 180 minutes over those two games, but... He just looked a, a different class, didn't he? He looked two steps ahead of everybody else. Um, and I think when you look look at what Tafazoli offered, the only one very, very slight negative I would say is that um, I, I don't know if Boys is injured or if he's just overloaded and needs a break. Um, but Leahy at left back just takes away some of his creativity, doesn't it? Um, but the ability, you know, to to play Dale Taylor in a ten, which really worked, and rest Killian was was great and then bringing Killian on for his energy and his pressing right at the end I think that worked quite well um, and the ability to be able to to play somebody different in that number 10 role you know it might be a Leahy for one game it might be a Phillips for another game it might be a Taylor for another game we seem like the squad we've got really suits that 4-2-3-1 really really well mm-hmm. um, with the two wide I thought McCleary playing actually as a proper winger um, we put in chat, didn't we? How good does he look playing as a proper winger, getting chalk on his boots, then cutting inside and getting the ball across? Um, it was really good to watch. It was it was nice to see. It was very very positive. And you know, with with all the all the negativity that had come before and the stick they'd got on Friday, um, I thought it was a really really good response and fair play to them. Do we feel there might be a slight 
worry in some respects that obviously Rovers might be a one-off. I mean, I'm going to be honest, when I looked at it last week, I was worried about where our next win was coming from. Um, I hope it's a springboard. I, I pray it's a springboard. But, you know, we could go to Burton on Saturday and, you know, end up with a similar result as when we went there last season, which is a which was a poor loss, really. So, you know, what what do we need to do now, really, to kind of maintain that form? Because yeah, we'll we'll talk about formation in a bit, but Boys is a wing back. If we're gonna keep to the back four, does that mean Boys doesn't factor into the plans anymore? You, you, do you know what I mean? Like, I think you know he's built a team in the summer for a system that suits five at the back. So, you know, how, how are we progressing going forward? Because evidently five, five at the back isn't working. And we've seen that from the last two games. I think we've one of the goal scorers, haven't we? Yeah. For the game well, last, last year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we've yeah. one of the goal scorers. So he could score against us. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think them. boys could play as a left back. <laughs> um, and I think if you're going to play, if JJ's going to play, I think he is much better playing left-back than he is playing centre-back. Um, I think boys can play there. Vincent Young, I think we've seen him used in the last couple of games. Um, or I'm sorry, not the last couple of games. He came on and was very defensive against Rovers, but certainly against Orient. Used further forward. I think he'll be, we'll continue to use him further forward. Um, and perhaps look at like boys, JJ, Leahy on the left. Um, and then the opportunity to look at Grimmer, um, Pattenden when he's fit and McCarthy when he's fit on the right, all sorts of options there. Um, you know, those two in midfield, Scowan and Potts. How many times did we say it before Potts got injured? What what a partnership. Potts just allows Scowan to go and do so much more than that ratting around. You know, he's so good at the ratting around and you don't want to criticise him for doing it because he's so good at it. But he's so much more, isn't he? You know, he, Potts being there really just gives him the ability to to really show what he's capable of. Um, I think it's really exciting. I think, like you say, Dan, you know, there is a there is a chance that we could go to Burton and get shit housed again. But I think from last year, from memory, I think they had a player sent off as well, didn't they? And literally, like, built the Great Wall of Burton in front of the goal, and we just couldn't break him down. Um, whereas, you know, this year, I think you look, we've got some slightly more creative players. Um, you know, like Damo says, you know, we've got Taylor, Phillips, Leahy. Um, Pots and Scown, as we've already spoken about, you know, I think there's a bit more creativity in that team. Whereas when you looked at us last year, I think we were a little bit one-dimensional. Um, if we weren't going long, um, then we didn't really know what to do. Um, and look, let's just hope that it's a springboard. And, and let's be honest, you know, if we go there and and we can nick a win, um, then you know that sets us up really, really well for for some tough games that are coming up. You spoke about our fixtures. Um, coming out of January last week, Dan, you know, how nice would it be to go through January picking up sort of nine or 12 points and then uh, and then coming out the other end with some confidence going into that hideous run of games. Um, and it, it, it kind of goes Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, doesn't it? And I know we've got the Pizza Cup next week, um, but, you know, sort of exclude that. When you look at the league fixtures, um, you know, we've got Bolton on a Tuesday night. I think we've got Wigan on a Tuesday night. There's a couple of really horrible, long Tuesday night trips in there. Um, so it's going to be tough in February. So, yeah, like you say, it needs to be a springboard uh, and not a one-off. But as long as we can use it as a springboard, take the positives from it and, and continue in that vein, I'm really, really confident that um, 
that, you know, we can still get something out of the season. And I think, as we said, you know, really we're expecting a top-half finish. And I think if we get that, it's been a good season. One caveat we've got to factor in is we're not going to have Scowen. Um, for, well, is it, is it one game or is it three games for Three that? games, isn't it? It's going to be three. Three games. That is, that is, that is that, that, in the past, that's been huge for us. Yeah. Do you think Lee will play now? Well, if he's going to play Boys or Jacobson, I reckon he could. We yeah, could do yeah, the scale role. I really think he's capable of that. Yeah. Um, that's the change I would make. Um, but yeah, we just don't want to let Potts get pulled into doing the scale and roll because he, he's not that sort of player and I don't no, think I'm he'd sure. suit it. Uh, we need him to be the creative link between the, the defence and the attack, which is what he has. He played all the game on Friday night. He wasn't quite there. He had been out for a long time. You could see he was back in the groove on Monday. He kind of does and, both, doesn't he, Parts? Yeah, he does, but he does the he does do the attacking side better yeah. than he needs. I was read I was reading something the other day about Jude Bellingham. This is going massively off piece, but I was reading something the other day about Jude Bellingham. And the reason that he wears number 22 is because his dad said to him when he was young that if he wants to be a world-class midfielder, he has to be an 8, a 10, and a 4 um, all in one. You can't be an 8, a 10, or a 4. You've got to be all three in one. And that's kind of like the closest that I've ever seen at our level of having a player who can do all the jobs. He can break play up. He can do the defensive bit and sit in front of the back four like he did at Leighton Orient. He can be the box-to-box, but he can also be that creative influence and that creative spark going forward. Um, There's not many of them in this league. And, yeah, it's really easy to be biased, but he's not ours. He's he's going to be playing in the Premier League next year. There's absolutely no doubt. But, um, but yeah, it's a nice problem to have. You know, where the hell do you play him? He's good at all three. Stick him in there. And I I think just give him a a free reign. I think Leahy's got the intelligence. If he does play century, I think Leahy's got the intelligence to do the other bit. I, th- I think it's exactly that. I think the, the the thing is with Potts is we know what he does best and the difference showed over, especially in the Bristol Rovers game, the way he was spraying the balls around and, and linking up the play and everything. That's, that's exactly what we need him to do. Um, you know, where we need to make sure that we, maintain that is obviously with Josh going you need someone to support him in that midfield role where it allows him to do what he needs to do while they pick up the pieces really um, uh, and just let him work his magic and that's that's where I, I think you're right Damo I think Leahy is the person for that um, the vulnerability though is obviously defence with left back if I don't know where Boys is at the moment if he's injured or if he's just not playing at the moment but you know JJ is getting on a bit now he'll get rinsed by Burton's wingers um if if he's not careful which is why he's gone back to that center back role a bit more so it yeah, does keep, leave us vulnerable a little bit doesn't it if they keep talking about these what, red markers don't they with with uh the, the players, young players yeah. um these and red old markers. Ones. yeah yeah and the old ones and um and it just makes me think you know boys has had an awful lot of football um mm. probably his first you know, real long, detailed delve into men's football. It just makes you wonder whether, you know, some of those red markers are flagged up because there's no sort of official he's injured tweet gone out like there was with TJ who's been missing all over Christmas. Um, Yeah, it makes you think that that probably 
they're they're just being a bit cautious with him because they don't want to go down the route of him getting injured and losing him for eight or ten games like we did with Freddie. Yeah, he has been good for us, hasn't he? Really, in in that role, he's been. I'd say he's been quite consistent as well. To be fair to him, yeah. After um, those first two games, he was terrible, and he he, he really got uh, he really got a paste in at uh, at Lincoln, didn't he? Um, uh, and it could have gone the same way as Brecken. You know, it could have gone down that way of head head drops and doesn't get back in the team. But I think it really shows what a good pro he is and what a good guy he is. The fact that. He had a couple of bad games in his first two games and he knuckled down and he showed that he's got balls and he's really come back and 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 looked every bit a, a capable capable first team left back at this level. And you know, I'm not as convinced with him as I am with, with Freddie Potts that it will go on and play in the Premier League. But um I'm convinced that, that he's gonna have a decent career. He's a good player, seems to have Absolutely. quite a level head, you know, he's moved down here, he's obviously taking it seriously. So, um, so fair play to him. Yeah, I could see him being definitely upper end League One Championship kind of player in time. I mean, yeah, who knows? He might make the Premier League. He might surprise us. You look at when Ali left us for Wimbledon, we didn't really kind of see him doing what he did at Wimbledon. He has, so you, you never know. But he's he's been one of those consistent players, hasn't he? Where you know, I. I really want to make sure we keep him fit and keep hold of him until the end of yeah, the season. Because the worry is as well at the moment, he is on loan. Um, and I, there's a few situations at the moment where players have been playing a certain way or teams haven't been performing as well. And they've gone back to parent clubs and shift up, shift up, mm. shift off elsewhere. You look at Swindon losing their two best strikers yeah. uh, to Bradford. Colchester. And, yeah. And then Colchester losing Joe Taylor, who will, talk about later on Finna Zaz has left Plymouth to go to Middlesbrough you know so do we think there is that worry well Brecken's gone Brecken's gone yeah he's he's left us where are they going to put him do you think supposedly going to Southampton isn't he so the youth development the head of youth development at Southampton was the head of youth development at Man City and really likes him what's he doing there no the thought is that, that Southampton will sign him um, I just don't think he's that obviously, level. Obviously, Russ is is really good mates with Matty, um, mm. so I'm sure that there'll have been some conversation there. Um, and I don't think he's that level now, but I think technically, I think he's a really good footballer. Um, and if you muscle him up a bit and give him access to the men's game in a in an environment that's smaller than the environment he's going to have access to at Man City, I think he could be a, foot, a, a really good footballer. Um, but unfortunately, when you're playing League One, you've got to come in and you've got to be physically ready for it. And I just you got to hit the ground uh, running, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I don't think he was. I don't think Man City were fully aware of how physically ready he needed to be. Just it, it, it just wasn't there. And I think the Championship is a different league. It's physical for for different reasons. Um, but but you know, I don't think he's a bad footballer. He's certainly a really really good guy. Um, and I think he'll he'll do well at a club like Southampton, who have got a really good record of developing young players. So good luck to him. But it's got to be mutual, mutually beneficial as well, isn't it? Because we've got, now got another loan place we can use. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, there so. is there is exactly that. I mean, and that's going to be beneficial. Um, I think with Keane Brecken, though, uh, obviously, you know, he, we could tell that he wasn't. If you look at you compare him to Potts, for example. 
there's two very different levels of where they're at in their yeah. career and obviously with boys physically as well, as well. Just, yeah physically as exactly well. I, I don't know whether key and brecken fit into our system if that makes sense um i don't think he was the type of player that we needed for what blooms is trying to do and i think that's that's probably why it hasn't worked out as much as it has but if you're going into a team like southampton and they, you know, obviously they're playing a, a different standard of football that might suit him a bit more. That's where he might flourish. And that's exactly where you see people like Ali who end up flourishing at Wimbledon. So you never know. It, it, it might work out or it might be another Luke Bolton. Who knows? So, yeah, um, yeah so I think, I think obviously we've, we've talked about formations and obviously we put out to... Um, people within the Twitter sphere or the X sphere in the last week about what formation they'd do to get us out of form, which hopefully now we'd say that we're, we're in a, a better place than we were a week or two ago. Um, but most of them, looking through most of them, a lot, pretty much everyone seems to be going to a back four. Um, I, I, there's a back three from James Smith at Epileptic FB. Um, which has Taflo and Farino at the back, but doesn't have any wing-backs used. But do we feel that the back four is probably the way to go going forward? I think it's, got to, it's got to be. On, Damon. It's got to go be. We, we've, we've shown in the last a few games where we've slightly upped our defensive game and then obviously up until the last few minutes on uh, Monday, which, by the way, at that point, we've gone, back, gone to a back five. We've considered those two. Mm. Um, the back four seems to work, it's bit, and it, it doesn't me- need to be a set back back four. As in, we can use Farina, we can use Tevzo, we can use Low. Um, I'm not even consider using Kia because I just think he's past it. But um, uh, Tevzoli and Low, they they just looked like they knew what they were doing. You know, they looked like they've been playing together for years on Monday for the first. 85 minutes of the game uh, only when we brought on the extra player and had to play Farino at right back because uh, Grimmer had a problem did we actually have you know do we actually look shaky again so back back four has got to be the way to go it just looks so much better in, in, they've been playing that for years and it's it's only since Bloomfield came in he's been wanting this back five and I just don't think it works just give it let them, let them do what they know how to do I just think at this level, as we've said a million times before over the last four or five weeks, try and keep to the basics. Playing three at the back, or five at the back, however you want to say it, whether you're playing with wing-backs or whether you're playing with an extra man in midfield, however it works, it allows you to become overrun in the channels. We're not blessed with pace at the back. I think if you've got three really good, really athletic, if you've got three Chris Reno's playing centre-back, you can probably play a back three and get away with it. But the problem that we're getting is our fullbacks are getting really far forward. We're then getting nipped in the channels um, over the top. How many times have we said, you know, the one that really sticks out in my mind is the goal against Oxford, where the guys literally just run and run and run and run and run with absolute miles. And the, the back three have had to pull so wide because the fullbacks have gone that nobody's gone to the ball. I think a back four is much easier for players to understand. It gives you more of a defensive base. 
Um, and it also means that your fullbacks, although the fullbacks will still get forward, as we saw against Bristol Rovers, and they'll still put good balls into the box, they're much more defensively focused. Um, the two in midfield works really well because, you know, Scowie might go and Potts will hold, and then all of a sudden Scowie will hold and Potts will go. Um, and and then you've got four players who are absolutely unequivocally 100% dedicated to attacking and to pressing. Um, it also, having that extra row, um, so you, you hear people talking about playing through the lines, but having that extra row plays the 4 2 three, one, it enables us to press in stages rather than having to press as a team. If you play like a 3-5-2, for example, and there's a ball that comes through the midfield, all of a sudden you're on the you're on the back three. Um, whereas if you're playing two in front of the back four and the ball goes through what I would say like the midfield three or the three behind the striker, you've still got two very, very capable defensive midfielders who can pick the ball up. For me, a 4-2-3-1 gives you so much flexibility. When you're defending, if you really want to, you can change it to a 4-4-2. You know, you can bring the two wide players back, which is what we were doing against Bristol Rovers. Bring the two wide players back. Vokes comes shorter. Taylor goes the other side of Vokes. When the ball gets cleared, Vokes is flicking it onto Taylor and Taylor's getting in behind and it worked really well. It enables you to play through to play through the lines when you're attacking much easier. Um, it's not asking for, for worldy, you know, cross-field 60-yard balls to be played. And it also, and this is something that was really, really evident against Leighton Orient, um, with that four at the <clears throat> four at the back and the one holder. The problem with that is that if you're putting the ball into midfield and there's only one player and then there's four in advance of him, you're almost overloading the, the attacking end of the pitch too much. And all of a sudden the players are panicking. So they're going long because they're thinking, shit, I don't want to give Potts the ball because he's the only one in the centre of the pitch. So they're going long. Whereas when you play a four and a two it gives you an extra body in the middle of the pitch to be able to receive the ball and play the ball to. And I think that's why there was such a massive difference between what we did on Saturday and what we did on Monday. It wasn't necessarily the mentality, but the the centre-backs were receiving the ball and saying, shit, if I give that to Potts, I'm going to give the ball away. They're on the overload. They got three playing in central midfield, and it was almost like three of their central midfielders playing against Potts at times. Whereas when there's two in there, Scowan and Potts are perfectly capable of playing their way out. Um, and I really, really like that. And I like Taylor in that 10 um, because we've spoken about it before. He's got the tendency to drop back anyway. Um, so Taylor playing as a 10 actually meant that at times he was coming into midfield and making that midfield a three. Um, but when we were attacking, he was then creating a link between the two holders, if you like, the double pivot, as Gareth Southgate calls it, and and Vokes, and I think it just looks so much more balanced with that four-two-three-one. So for me, there's no reason to try anything else. I think he's accidentally stumbled on his best formation, and that's how we should be be looking to develop it. Do we think that's how Blooms will stick it though? Because obviously he's he's got a vision. We know what he wants. So he does like his win backs. Does he now kind of admit? Not admit defeat on that because that sounds quite drastic, but a four works. I think everyone can see the four works so much better. And obviously, the reasons you've described there, Adam, it you know it does give us more versatility. It gives us that flexibility, and as you said, you know it it's made the difference against Rovers. I mean, even when Josh was sent off, 
the way that we kind of formatted the midfield a bit more to still give that support but obviously still have that attacking drive. It it, it really did help. Um, do you think there's a, there's an element of uh, he might start deviating back towards a back five again in time or once once we've started to get a bit more comfortable with things or what do you think? I think we've seen it, haven't we? I mean, we saw it at Orient. You know, we know he wanted a point and, um, and he put five at the back. We saw it again on Monday, you know, yeah, in, in in times of adversity, and look, I I hate criticising people, particularly in defeat. But I think that was completely the wrong sub, given Richard Keogh that 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 role that late in the game. Yes, he's experienced, but he's coming on with cold legs. We're a man down. We're being really overrun. Just the wrong player at the wrong time in the wrong circumstances. I would almost have preferred it <clears throat> if he'd have um, if he'd have kept with a kept with a four. Um, and just put Phillips in that midfield because I think Phillips's energy and his ability to get around the pitch would have been much, much, much more beneficial in the middle of the pitch than um, than Keo. But there, there's obviously a tendency for him. His comfort zone, his security blanket, is the five at the back. Um, I think what's really positive about Rovers shows that he isn't being overly stubborn and he is kind of admitting the fact that we need to find another way to play. Um, and, you know, if it means that, you know, we start games with a four, we go ahead and then he goes to a five and we can learn to play for a five with a period of time, particularly when we're away from home, um, then, you know, it might be a positive thing. And being a one-trick pony is never never good. There are going to be times where actually playing a three will benefit us. Um, but, you know, I don't think it's the kind of thing that we can do it week in, week out. We've been we've been shown, particularly when we play against sides who have got quick, pacey wingers, that playing a three, we get caught out in behind. And you know, that that didn't happen with the four at the back. So all all we can say is look, we found a formation that appears to work and let's hope that he continues with it for as long as possible. He's so an intelligent guy. Oh, sorry. Sorry. He, sorry. He's an intelligent guy. He's not gonna Look at it and go. Well, that worked. Let's not do it again. Um, unless he wants to get wants to get himself sacked. But he's got he's got some good coaches with him. They've got to realise and they've got to notice that it works. And the stubbornness has to go out the window. I don't care if he thinks the way forward is to do it that way. Do it with five at the back. He's just got to look at it and go look. The results have upturned when we've gone to four, uh, especially defensively. And then if he sorts the defence out, all he's got to do then is sort out the attack, which, as we saw, can work. Yeah, I, I, it's it's exactly that. I think you've got to realise that the back four is, is, is the best way forward for us. It's where everyone feels comfortable with. And I think the point that you raised about feeling comfortable and going back to a back five, for me, Back five is the one that you should test. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already been booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love? A last-minute winner. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you're playing teams at the lower end of the table... Yeah, it shouldn't be going to... Or, or in the pizza no. cup. Yeah. Or in the pizza cup, exactly. Or, you know, we don't care about the pizza cup. So if he tries it then and we lose, we lose. It happens, whatever. You know, it's pizza cup. But... The, the concern is, obviously, we go back to a back five and then that's when panic stations start kind of going off and that it shouldn't be that. Like, let's... It, it, it's that element of game management, I guess. And I know I know that's what he, he wants to do in time and and, and, and what have you, but he, he really needs to stick with this back four now and I think that, that will be pivotal in us getting results in the next few weeks, especially against the teams that we've got coming up. A question for you, though, and it's an interesting one. I'll I'll reveal the general consensus from the wider population shortly. But who do you have in your back four? If everyone is absolutely fit, we've got a full squad. Everyone's fit. Who do you have in your back four? Current form, I'm going. Boys, Tafazoli, Low, Grimmer. Totally agree. Couldn't say any different to that. Do you know what? I'd say the same. And the interesting consensus is is the majority of people have gone with a Tafazoli, Farino, back. Low features a couple of times, but it's definitely Farino over Tafazoli. It doesn't surprise me. I think, I think Farino's obvious... Um, benefit is his pace, isn't it? And look, he, yeah. for whatever reason, this season he just hasn't kicked on. It just hasn't happened for him. He's had some really scraggly injuries. He's been in and out a little bit. Um, he obviously had the the transfer saga at the beginning of the season, which which didn't happen. And you know there was even reports of him, you know, turning up at QPR's uh, training ground opening. Whether or not they're true or not, I don't know. Um, but he's toward the wingy style being there yeah exactly that yeah he's obviously been invited and turned up so you know he obviously thought in his mind that it had happened um look we don't know do we we're 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 surmising from things that that we're hearing from people supposedly in a no but for whatever reason he hasn't kicked on i think at the top of his game um i think Farino is probably a better option, particularly long-term than Taff, particularly with Tafazoli's injuries. But I think at the moment, Tafazoli and Lowe is working. Um, it doesn't take away the aerial presence because they're both absolute monsters. I think Joe Lowe is a massively underrated centre-back. Um, and I think we've really seen his development come on leaps and bounds, particularly in the last four or five weeks when the going's got tough. I think he's really got going. Um, and he's shown that, that you know he's got the ability to be a leader as well as a good defender. 
Um, whereas I don't necessarily see those kind of digging in, those gutsy qualities from um, from Farino. But I think the one obvious thing that Farino offers is pace. And look, let's be honest, any of those three playing in a two, you're going to be quite happy with. And you're also going to have a really bloody good option on the bench. So I don't think you could really argue with anybody saying Farino. But for me, on current form, um, it's low and tough as Ollie. The other I thing agree, you're going to look... Sorry, the other thing you've got to look at is, I know it's not what they're on the pitch for, but look how much aerial presence we had in the opposition box for set pieces. Tavazoni and Lowe offer that more than Farino for me. Because they're just that much bigger. And and Tavazoni scored and set up a goal on Saturday. Uh, yeah, Monday, for, sorry. Farino's still tall. He just doesn't seem to have the same presence going forward, no, does he? No, like, those Tav- two going forwards, you, yeah, see, you can see, you can see they, they, they thought we've got problems here because they go... They've got Vokes, Tavazoli, and Lowe in the, in the, in the box. You know, don't, we, the amount of times we, you, get, uh, we get out-muscled, though. Because you played got, football with me, no Damo. Big. You played football yeah. with me, Damo, and you, you know that just because you're six foot seven doesn't necessarily mean that you're amazing <laughs> in the air. Um, you know, there's a massive difference between being tall and being tall and good in the air. And Tavazoli... That's because you uh, didn't want to break your eyebrow. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Tavazoli and, um, and Lowe are really aggressive aerially, whereas I think yeah, Farino... Farino's okay in the air. You know, I'm not saying he's poor. He's okay in the air, and he's got the ability to, to win headers and to be strong in the air, but I wouldn't say it's his biggest strength, whereas I think Tafazoli and Lowe give you, like you say, presence in both boxes more more than what Farino does. I think they do. I completely agree with that. So we've got the defence covered there. We're going to the midfield. If we're going to stick with the heroes of HP 12, 4, 2, 3, 1, let's go with that formation. Who do you have in midfield? Well, the two has got to be Potts and Scowen. Surely. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Or in his absence, in, in Scowen's absence, Leahy, and then you're looking, just looking for someone further forward than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody fit, it's got everybody fit and available. It's got to be Scowen and Potts, isn't it? Um, you know, we've said depends. Depends how you play that too, though, because you, if you put Leahy and Scowen in there, that's your defensive line shored up, gives you pots further up the pitch. You see, I would rather, and this is where we'll, we'll come on to the next bit. Um, but I would rather Leahy further forward, um, okay. and this is this is where it's going to get really hard. And I think this next three, I think we're all going to realise that uh, that we're tripping over ourselves and leaving somebody out who we really don't want to leave out. Um, but um, but yeah, I think I think those two in midfield for me is um, is always Scowl and Potts. Fair enough. Okay, well that's shut me up then. Um, <laughs> right, so yeah, okay, so you've got Leahy, right? I'm guessing you're putting Leahy either on the left or you're putting him in the middle. But who's your three? This is really, this is really tough this for is me. A difficult one, isn't Assu- it? Assuming that they're all, assuming they're all fit, um, you're leaving one of the so-called big hitters out. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm going, and I'm going to get shot down for this. I know I am. Um, but all fit and on best form, I'm going Brandon left, Leahy in the 10, McCleary right, and leaving Phillips oh, out. Oh. 
Um, you know what? I I made the cardinal sin of forgetting about Brandon, and I don't know how I did that. He's one of my favourite players. Um, I agree with Brandon on the left, but I would also have Brandon as one of those players who can float. You know, let him go where he wants to go. He does. He's not a fixed one winger player, and uh, he showed his best stuff for me when he's been allowed to float. But then, if you have McCleary on the other side, he can do that as well. So they can almost switch whenever they want. Um, in the middle, because <sighs> we've also got to factor in the fact that we've got Kone now as well. And this is the other thing. Are we, we going to have three in the middle, but one of them as as the second striker? Or do we have Leahy in there? I mean, I don't think, I don't see how we can drop Leahy. I'm actually I'm going to go on, out on a limb, put Brandon on the right, Leahy on the left, and I'm I'm dropping McCleary. Who's playing as your 10? Uh, Dale Taylor. Not Phillips? No. Start. To start. Yeah, if, if he plays like he did on Monday, if it works. If it doesn't work, hoy can off at half time and put Phillips yeah, me in. Me too. Me too. It's I've left both right, of them out. I've left Taylor and Phillips out. I know. This is this is crazy, really, if you think about it. I mean, I'm going to go against you on the back on the two because I'm going to stick with my guns and go with Scowan and Leahy as your two. I'm going to put Potts into your ten. And then I'm going to. And this is where Adam's going to shoot daggers. I'm putting Sadlier on the left. Over Hanlon. Just look, Brandon for me fits into your number ten and and on the wings and things like that. And from an impact point of view, that's where Brandon does well. And that's exactly why I do that. I just, you know what? Sadlier over the last few games, I don't think he had a great game against Orient, but. He's come on. Yeah, I he's been all right, but nothing compared to yeah, nothing compared to like your handling against Oxford. Um, you know his performance at the beginning of this season for me, he's been the he's been the best version of Brandon Handlin that we've seen. But um, yeah, he has, he has. But it kind of outlines the options that we've got yeah. when they're all fit as well, doesn't it? Well, this is something I was going to. I mean, we'll we'll go for your your number one at the top in a second. But does this not highlight, and this is this is the conundrum, and maybe it's another conversation for another time because time's getting on now, but we've got so many options up top, but we're not getting the goals at the moment. I know we're talking about panacea approach where everyone's fit and everything's fine, but what's not clicking between all these different players? Is it because we've got so much choice that we don't know what our best you know, attacking options are, or why aren't the goals coming from it? Really? I think That's... it has been the inconsistency, hasn't it? It's been mm-hmm. the inconsistency that we've had to have because of the injuries. You know, sadly, it came in late, and and look, he's looked okay the last three or four games. Yeah, you know, a bit of a um, a bit of a sticky start. And I think everybody would admit it's a sticky start. That's as nice as you're going to be about biased. him, isn't it? I don't think I'm being biased when I say he had a sticky start. Um, I thought. He was very, very good against Bristol Rovers. Um, I thought he was really good at Derby. Um, that's the best that I've seen him. Um, really aggressive. Um, he's a bit... And we touched on this, demo on, on Monday. He frustrates me like Kevin Betsy did. Because he's got all the ability... Um, and he gets into some really good positions. And a couple of times on Monday, he beats someone 
And instead of just getting a ball in, he either tried to score a worldie or he tried to beat him again. Just get the ball in the box. Do you know what I mean? He's, he, he's done so well to get there as well. Just get the ball in the box. Get the ball flashing across. And you look at, at McCleary, I would say Monday was the best version of McCleary. You know, it's it's head up and it's ball in the box, whether it's flashing along, low and hard, or whether he's floating it in. And I think Sadly is still trying to find himself. Um, there's there's definitely been some green shoots of improvement over the last couple of weeks, but but for me, he doesn't get anywhere near our best team when everybody's absolutely fit. But but like you say, Dan, you know this this really outlines in all positions. How, how strong we are when everybody's fit. You know, we haven't spoken about Kane Vincent Young. We haven't spoken about Jacobson. We haven't spoken about Jason McCarthy. Um, you know, we've not spoken about TJ. We've all left Phillips out. Um, you know, there's some really, really, really talented players who you could make a real good argument should be closer to that first team than, than what we're making them. So, yeah. We even discussed David Wheeler. No, know, no, exactly. I mean, you know, yeah, it's it's. I'm just glad we don't actually have to make these decisions. Mm, yeah, absolutely, hundred exactly. percent. And it does make you wonder whether Blooms has actually looked at it and gone, "Shit, who do I start?" Do you know what I mean? He's realised that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think we kind of expected that Potts was going to be as good and as influential as he has been. Um, I think that's been a real pleasant surprise, but. He's probably looking at his squad and going, Jesus, you know, I, I, I could make an argument for, for three different 11s um, and and almost yeah. three different formations. It That must make it very, very difficult as a manager. But ultimately, you know, that's what he's paid for. Um, and he's he's got to make the tough decisions, not us, thankfully. I agree. I mean, I think if you look at, generally elsewhere and, and what others have said i'm just having a quick look through and there is a very similar consensus to us all with you know josh and Potts in the middle um a lot of people have included phillips and i think you know that passion and how he's played over the last few weeks he's you know he's essentially carried us yeah you can totally make an argument for that yeah and and that's good you know if you look at uh nothing but good times um, has put a four-three-three with Potts, Josh, and Phillips in the middle, um, with McCleary, Vokes, and Leahy up top. So, you know, that's you've got Leahy's so versatile there. You could put him pretty much anywhere. We've talked about him in defence midfield, and you got an option up, up here as a, you know, as a left left forward or left wing there. Yeah. Um, a lot of people included, sadly, sorry, Adam. Um, good one here by uh, Felipe. Our uh, a friend from South America. He's done a four-one-two-one-two. So we've got Boys Lofarino Grimmer. Josh is your defensive midfielder with Leahy and Potts in the middle. Sadly is your ten behind Vokes and Dale Taylor. So, you know, you're looking you're looking for similar players but different shapes. There's a lot of different shapes. Which is which is interesting. It just shows that's a you very South that. American lineup, that isn't it? A very South American lineup. I love that. That's the sort of thing that I could see Argentina lining up within a World Cup final. That's a proper formation. That four one two okay. one two. The going forward shape so we, is 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 the thing we need to actually. That that's the bit that needs to be adaptable for me to get the players in that you want to play on the day. Um, yeah. 
you can stick with your, your your backline, but going forward, you can mould it around the players you've got and put them in their best positions. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the, the thing that, that demonstrates the versatility, but I think sometimes versatility can be a bit of a curse because you don't know what is for the best. You know, if you know, for example, I'm going back to, I'm going to use the Kevin Betsy era because I know you slagged him off here, Adam. But, you know, when we had Kevin Betsy, we had Tyson Mooney at the top and that, that was your front two. You had Betsy on the right. You had Stefan Oaks in the middle. You Everyone didn't really deviate from their positions. You knew what the lineup was going to be. I always remember going yeah. into those games knowing I could pretty much name unless there was an injury, you'd probably be able to name all 11 going into that game. And we don't yeah. have that at the moment. The fact that we've you know, spent a good good section of this um, episode discussing who goes where and talking about all different players on the pitch shows you how, far, how different the game is nowadays. But it also shows you what a conundrum Matty has. And, yeah. and, you know, as I say, has that been, you know, a result of us being inconsistent on the pitch? Because... How do we get the best out of this team? Yeah, quite possibly. But who's your number one up top? That's the question. Go on, Damon. Your main man. Uh, having not seen him play, I know he's got a great record, Coney, but I'm, I can't pass Vokes at the moment. Coney may have changed my mind, but I'm playing Vokes up there. I'm sorry. On, um, yep. I've been I've been openly quite critical of, of Vokes here. Um, and I don't think I'm fairly so. I think he's a he's an ex Premier League striker who sets himself very very high standards, and I think he will have been critical of his own performances over over the past sort of six or eight months. You know, the beginning of this season and end of last season. Um, however, Monday really reminded us all of how good he can be, fully fit, playing in the right position with somebody playing off of him. Um, Mm. Don't worry, this has literally never happened. Uh, we've never agreed on anything Wickham, Wickham wise. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going, um, I'm going Vokes as my number nine as well. Whoop, whoop. I think it's got to be. It's got to be, hasn't it? I mean, when he's on his day, he has these games and he is unbeatable at the top. And that's that's exactly what you want from your striker. I mean, we don't know enough about Richard Coney yet to know whether he's going to replicate his form as he's had at Athletic Newham. But you know that's another exciting signing, and we'll we'll speak about that quickly before we go on to Burton. Obviously, you know, made the first signing pending. I think there's a few bits of paperwork to complete, but Richard Kone obviously comes from Athletic Newham with a hundred goals over I think the last three seasons, which at any level is a phenomenal return. Um, really like the story behind this guy as well. Um, for for those that might not know, he was. Um, home uh, homeless in his homeland of the Ivory Coast uh, back when he was a teenager. Found his way, I think, from the Homeless World Cup with Ivory Coast representing his country and came over to the UK. Started up with Athletic Newham and obviously started banging the goals in and had a trial at Colchester United. And if I, if you look at social media, Cole, you are not happy with us signing him, which I always think is a very nice positive sign and always nice to get one over Colchester United. Um, had a trial at Brentford B and has eventually come to us. And I've, I think he's been identified as the striker that's got a couple of goals for us in in friendlies and pre-season. So by all accounts, looks like he knows where the back of the net is and maybe, you know, 
who knows? He might be one of those revelations that kicks on and gives us the goals that we need in the next few weeks. But your thoughts on the signing, guys? There's a guy on Twitter who um, who obviously follows um, Athletic Newham much closer than we do. Um, and his, his stats, I'm guessing that keeping stats at that level is probably somewhat more difficult than it is at our level. Um, but his stats... Um, as far as league football was concerned, was that Kone had played 108 games and scored 100 goals. Um, crazy, isn't it? Now, listen, that is a, that is a, a crazy, crazy amount of goals at any level. Um, and let's be completely honest, yeah, if we can qu- turn him into a player who comes in and scores 10 or 15 goals um, in a season, then we've done very, very well. What I am really, really worried about is some of our fans do not have the ability to think um, before they say something and think before they expect something. This kid is not going to come in and start banging goals in straight away. If he does, amazing, but I don't think we can expect that. Um, He's a young kid. What is he, 20? Um, He's obviously got a young family. Um, And, um, you know, he, he wants to do the very, very best, but I don't think we're going to see all of a sudden Richard Kone coming in and all of the other strikers not getting a look in. I think he's going to be eased into this team. Um, I think he's going to be eased into professional football. Um, and, you know, touch wood after, you know, a few months of working with, with Matty and in particular Sam Grace, who's, who's got a really good record of, of doing good things with this kind of player. Um, then you know it will it will be really really positive. But for me, this isn't a a signing that is solving our immediate goal scoring problem. This is a no. This is a longer term signing, and I think it's really really positive. You know how long have we been saying, "Oh, we need to dip into the non league"? It's really positive that we've actually started looking at these players. Um, you know, you've got the the young lad at Amersham Town as well, who. Um, who it's been well documented, you know, we're looking at and we're working with Amersham on doing something there. Um, how good is it that, you know, we're dipping into the non-league and we're, we're being a bit brave and we've actually now got a setup where we can bring these young kids in and, and give them a place to express themselves. And, you know, you look at, at Mometi, you look at TJ, you look at Chris Farino. Um, there is a very, very, very clear and obvious opportunity of, of making yourself into a, to a first team professional footballer and you know how how good would it be to see this kid who's had a really tough start in life do well for himself and and really develop into a top footballer i think the way we've got to look at him is that we've got to look after him basically because there will be those idiots like you say adam that will get on his back if he doesn't score in the first couple of games um but i would almost Put him in to arrange quite a few more development team games. Get him, get him working with our style of play. Um, you know, get the development team to sort of mimic the first team a little bit, and just see if he can work with that. And then obviously we can then put him into the first team games. Yes, I'd like to see him on the bench maybe for the next game, um, but I don't want too much pressure to be put on a guy who is he's still young as well. You've got to remember that. You know, we don't want to. We don't want to destroy his confidence in the first five games because he hasn't banged the ball in and the idiots who got on their players back at Leighton Orient doing the same to him. You know, it's, mm. this is we've got to almost treat him with kid gloves, but 
let him loose to us to a certain extent at a level where he can find his feet feel comfortable with the club get to know the players you know it, he's come up what six steps i think it is and it's going to be different for him but i just think i just think we need to we need to protect him from the idiots simple as that that that's where i've got to look at it i think we've got to look at you know our last signing from the sx senior league didn't do too bad and that's anis mametti who we signed from woodford that's very true but how he took a couple of seasons to get into it though didn't he he took he took a bit of time but i think he sets anis set the blueprint for how to develop a successful, talented kid in non-league. I think when you've got someone like Sam Grace there who can do what he does, I think it is very reassuring. I think he's come to the right place. The fact that we've got the ability to develop young players like this who have had their chance in non-league, but obviously got a bit of talent and bring them on into to where we need to be, I think is reassuring. Because if you look at... I'm not speaking ill of Kean Brecken because I think, you know, I just I don't think he was the right person for us at the right time. But if you look at him compared to Potts and the strength and everything else that he has, the technical know-how, the nuances of League One football, I think we, through the development squad, obviously with Kean, because he's come on loan from Man City, he has to adapt to that very quickly because he's expected to be part of the first team. Whereas... You know, with Richard Coney, he's got time to be able to develop his skills, time to develop things further and get himself kind of box ready for League One. And I think It's come the other way as well, hasn't he? Whereas, like, you would mm. expect somebody coming out of non-league to be, you know, a bit a bit used to getting a kick and the physical side of the game. You know, he's playing against probably hairy-ass 35-year-olds who have dropped out of the professional game. Whereas Kean Brecken's been brought up in an environment where, first of all, he's expected to play football in a certain way. And secondly, he's playing with kids of the same age, whereas you would think that Kone has probably been bullied by, you know, six foot five, ugly 35 year old defenders who don't care if they're giving him a kick or not. Um, so he's going to be kind of like a little bit ready by that physical side, whereas I think Brecken has come out of an environment where it's probably a bit more of a shock to him. I completely agree. Completely agree. But hopefully, you know, um, we, we start to see him on the bench in a few more games. Obviously, I think, as, as I say, there's a bit more paperwork to get done, but it's uh, you know it's a good start to the January window, at least. So we're heading on into Burton on Saturday. Um, obviously, Burton haven't really had a good run of form over the last month. They lost, I mean, they've been narrowly losing a bit of a similar trajectory to us. The 1-0 loss against Bolton the last game. Before that, they beat Shrewsbury 1-0 at home and they beat Blackpool 1-0 at home. Um, but they have been losing a few as well. Um, so it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be pretty hard to call. But what are you kind of expecting to see from Bloom's in, t- in terms of Saturday? Bearing in mind, I think we've got an idea of who's fit and who's not. And, and what do you want to see from the team? More of the same, please. Um, I wonder if Burton will put some fireworks on for us because it seems to uh, it seems to get us going. <laughs> we love the fireworks. <laughs> we always win, don't we? Whenever yeah. the fireworks, no, we win. Yeah. Apart from when we put the fireworks on during the day, we lost that game, and everyone was like, yeah, "What are we doing?" Yeah. Oh yes, um, I did forget. Yeah, I think um, 
look, I think we've just got to stay. Now we found a little bit of form. Um, you know, we seem to have found a, a way to win. Um, I think we've just got to stay as consistent as we possibly can and allow those relationships and those partnerships to, to develop. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think, yeah, I don't think there's any other injuries that I've heard of. Um, obviously, we're going to lose Scowen, so there's going to be one change. Um, but I'll be a bit disappointed if there's if there's any more than one change that's, you know, not an injury, if you see what I mean. So, um, so yeah, I would I would like to see it as close to um, to Monday as possible, um, and just go for it. You know, we've shown what we can do when we're aggressive, um, and and we play with that attacking intent. Um, so, you know, why would we change it? Let's just, let's just go for it. And like you said, Burton's recent run has been a bit strange because the games they've lost, they haven't lost by a lot, but the games they've won, they haven't won by a lot either. They're, they're not a side who are going to score loads of goals. Um, and neither are we. So, you know, we're sat here talking about how few goals both teams score, you know, guarantee that you'll get your five, three this week down. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I think we just need to really go for it and um, and do very much the same as what we've been uh, what we've been been starting at Leighton Orient and then finishing it uh, against Bristol Rovers because it was really promising. I don't really think there's much more I can add to that. You know, Monday was a like what we've been saying. Monday needs to be a springboard, and I wouldn't change much apart from the enforced changes because uh, it just looked like it was a good outfit. It looked like it was going to work. Um, if Taft's paper paper legs have, have gone again, put Farino, and you know it's, it's not it's not a um, situation where I, I think we need to do much tinkering with. Basically, for me, no, I, I would agree. I think we we spoke about it earlier. I think Luke's got to be where Josh is. Um, we've just got to make sure that whoever goes into defence, it's um, it's strong. Uh, I think at the moment Jolo is an absolute necessity. We we we've talked about him briefly, but I think as you said, Adam, he's so underrated. But the the impact he has on that defence is 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 really significant. So I think the Lowe quality that he brings, exactly. Not only not only defensively, but I've seen him get come into a bit of stick on Twitter recently. Um, but the quality that he brings in bringing the ball out of defence. And that calmness, you know, his first thought is to get the ball down and actually bring the ball out of defence rather than just lump it long. Um, it's only going to help us with our ball retention. Um, you know, this is a guy who's been in and around the Wales first team, as we've spoken about for, you know, the last couple of squads. So he's very highly thought of by by people who are far more knowledgeable than us. Um, but... I think he's the kind of player, you know, we've signed him. I think it was a three-year deal, wasn't it? We signed him on a decent length deal. He's the kind of player that we should be building this side around. Um, and, yeah, I think, as you say, he's he's got a play. Um, now he seems to be fit and in form. Um, I think he's got to be the he's got to be the ever-present, if he can be. I think if we get the same levels of passion from Vokes, you know, the same kind of oomph from folks tough I think that makes a massive difference um I, I I'm hopeful um Burton don't seem to score too many knowing now I've said that they'll score three or four on Saturday but 
No, they don't seem to score too many. Cole Stockton, who was touted to be arriving at Wickham for years on end, uh, seems to be on the bench and seems to potentially be on his way out of there as well. So, um, you know, they don't seem to have the goal-scoring nuance that they uh, perhaps need, similar to us in some ways, I guess. Um, but no, it will be interesting. What What are your score predictions? Go on, Damo. I'm going to go for 2-2. So Mystic Damo gets it. Mystic Damo always gets it. So you've now you've said 2-2, it's going to be a 2-2. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I can't get the spinners at me arse quick enough, but I just, I just, we're away from home and... I'm just, you know, it's just because I still haven't got full confidence in. We've had a couple, of, a few good, decent performances, but I just want us to be able to do it consistently. That's so that's why I said two, two. What are you I'm going to say two, one. one, two, one, two, one to Wickham. Yeah, yeah to Wickham. Oh. I think we're going to go back to um, go back to a bit of a scrap. Maybe um, I don't think Burton are going to give us the uh, the chances that Bristol Rovers did because they're going to play a very, very different style of football. But um, but yeah, I think coming out two one on top of a bit of a scrap will be a good result, and uh, and set us up nicely for for the Pizza Cup on Tuesday. I didn't have a scoring three against Bristol Rovers, so it's pinned on for a five three this week. So I'm going to stick with that. And can I actually point out? And this was kindly pointed out by Eamon Dodds, taught the chair boys. On aggregate this season, we've beaten Bristol Rovers five three. <laughs> so it's coming was, somewhere. I did see that. That was funny. <laughs> Sean so, Devine didn't score three, though, did he? Unfortunately not. No. <laughs> I wish he was still around. But no, uh, I'm sticking with my 5-3 and it will happen one day. And that'll do it for this week. Uh, thanks for joining another episode of Heroes HP12. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, myself at Dan Clark PR, and Damien at Damo1507. Hopefully, Michael will be with us back next week. Hope you are getting better soon, my friend. Um, we'll be back next week with more discussion on all things Chairboys, hopefully, talking about another win. Until then, stay well and come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.